Going to the grocery store, I think for most of us should be an adventure. But I think for some of us, frankly, it's just a task to get done. My wife and I tend to approach grocery shopping very differently, or at least we did early on in marriage. My wife has always been a list maker, and she always gets done what she needs to get done, especially going to the store. She knows roughly what it should cost, what's too expensive, what's a good deal. And so as she navigates through with her knowledge and understanding of the list, she can pinpoint exactly how much and what she needs to buy. I'm a little more free-spirited. I have an idea of some things that we need, and let's be honest, there are some things that we want. And who would I be to ever limit the wants of my family? And so sometimes I can go to the grocery store for maybe uh, some broccoli or some apples or some things here and there. And oftentimes early on in marriage, I would show up with a bag of peanut M&Ms and ketchup because I love both of those things, whether we need them or not. But I just don't want to run out, you know. Well, in COVID season, the combination of a somewhat adventurous grocery shopper and an intentional grocery shopper has been combined. This beautiful marriage of curbside grocery shopping has just changed the way we function. I'm getting some head shakes in the room, you know. We uh, combine forces to actually execute our plan for grocery shopping with great efficiency now. And I'm a part of that plan. I'm kind of excited about it. My role in all of this, I'm the chauffeur. I'm the guy who gets to pull up and she lets me hit the button so the back end of my truck opens up and we can put the groceries in. And, and what's happening is in this relationship, she has a part, I have a part, and together we get grocery shopping done. It's an adventure for me because I get to choose the playlist and what we're gonna listen to and what it's gonna be like. And she implements a plan that our family never goes hungry. It's a beautiful marriage. It's with great purpose and great passion. Some of you are like, do you really enjoy grocery shopping this much? No, I don't. I do like hanging out with my wife, but it has brought us to a new level with efficiency and effectiveness in our life. You know, sometimes I think about grocery shopping and in my mind, it reminds me a lot of how oftentimes people approach their faith. Some of us approach our faith with great adventure uh, pretty free-spirited. We're just hoping somehow God moves in our life or speaks in our life. And some of us are very, very intentional. Our disciplines, our Bible study, our, our walk with God, it is, it is not to be taken lightly. And I think there is an intentional marriage that God is wanting for each of us to experience that our faith not be accidental and our faith might have a little fun. And I don't know where you are in that today, but I want to talk to you today about God's purpose for us. Now, I think when we talk about God's purpose, what most of us want to think about is, well, am I supposed to grow up to be a plumber or a dentist? You know, am I supposed to marry this person or that person? And we get into all these little semantics that we're trying to find out, you know, do I buy Hunt's ketchup or Heinz ketchup? Because I don't want to fall out of the will of God. And God's purpose, while he may have created you to be unique, has a very specific yet general intention for all of us to be a part of his mission and his plan more than anything else. And so as you think about your life today, I, wanna, I want you to think about what is the purpose of God in your life? 
And if God has entrusted me and partnered with me, then what is my role to live that out? And how does it look in real time with relationships around us? This is a conversation for those of us who have surrendered our life to God. This is a conversation for those of us who are trying to live out our faith to the best of our ability before God, to steward the very lives that we have. This is our calling as the church, the people of God, to be the presence of God through the power of God to begin to impact the world around us. And we use one big word when we talk about this in our lives and how we live it out. It's the process of discipleship. And when we define discipleship here... We would say it this way, disciple making is helping each other follow Jesus. Now, some of us, when we think about discipleship, we automatically go into how mature, how deep, how much knowledge, how much growth does somebody have in faith? But I wanted to let you know that disciple making begins when we introduce people to the thought of Jesus. That every step closer and more intimate to God is a step of discipleship making. And so in the conversation that we're going to have today, I realize there are those of us who want to reach those far from God. And there are those who want to mature those close from God. But God calls us to do both. That everywhere we go and all that we are, we should be extending our faith to those who do not know him. And we should be leading others to walk more closely with him. You don't get to choose a side. It is our calling. So let me talk about it maybe in an illustration. I brought a prop today so that we could understand this partnership. See, the reality is that our partnership with God is really like a pair of scissors. On one side, there is a commissioning. God has partnered us. God has called us by invitation to join him in his purpose and mission. God desires that all people would be reached. God desires that no one would perish. Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost. Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so he commissions us forward into that life. By giving us the mission. The calling to join Jesus is the empowerment to be sent and live out the presence and power of Jesus in our world. Wherever you are. Whether you work with veterinarians. Whether you cut hair on a regular basis. Whether you teach in a school, whether you stand on a stage, whether you sell houses, where you are, God has invited you, called you into his purpose, and is now sending you, you are answering that call to live out the mission of God. And it is held together with relationship. Called by God to answer his call with God and others. Being a Christ follower is not an individual sport. God is always at work in us and through us and sending us towards relationships with others. And so I'm glad you're here today because as a church, we need to grasp the understanding of disciple making begins with the very introduction 
and crescendos into a full maturity of who we were created to be into Christ. And we have a very significant calling to be a part of that. And that purpose for God's glory and the benefit of others is what our life is about. So welcome to week two of doctrine. And what is our purpose? And I wanna unpack for you today this idea that we are commissioned with mission. Commissioned with mission is who we are as followers of Jesus. So let's unpack this phrase. This is how it works together. Let's start with the first word of this phrase because each one matters. Commissioned. What does it mean to be commissioned? Now, most of us know that when last week we celebrated the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we also celebrate the reality that in Jesus Christ's resurrection, there is a moment where Jesus pulls some of his closest followers together and he says, now here, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to live your life. And Jesus is sitting in front of some of his closest disciples, his closest students, his closest followers, and he says, you need to recognize this. What has just happened, this death, burial, and resurrection, all authority and power is given to me. Meaning of all the universe, what did we just sing? He reigns above it all. And so he says this, here's what we're going to do. In Matthew 28, he says these words, therefore, because I hold all authority and power, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, now if you've heard this passage, you, you know exactly where we're going, right? This is what they call the Great Commission. This is Jesus' final commands to say to his disciples, you are going to be the people that I am entrusting my mission to. Hear me out on this. The people who give their life to Christ are the ones who are truly commissioned to live out the life of Christ. There is no other plan. There is no other option. There is no other second idea that God wants to bring back to the table. It has always been God's will that his son would die on our behalf and then it would be entrusted through humanity by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we would be the agents of change, that we would be the ambassadors of grace, that we would be the hope dealers to a world of brokenness and Jesus gave us that opportunity to the disciples when they hear this phrase though of going and making there are some shifts that happen for an early follower of Jesus being saved meant being sent we miss this in our culture today some of us we just think that this is a gift from God and I keep it to myself but the intention of Jesus was that our salvation, our understanding of God's sacrifice for our sin and forgiveness, that that message would then be entrusted to us and we would be the first line of defense to a broken world. We would be sent to that world. Also, there was a change in the mindset of early disciples that they would understand that our goal is not to sit and take, but to go and make. 
Do you hear that? That's different to our, than our world, isn't it? We talk about what we want in a church or what we want out of Jesus, and it's like, here's what I want. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I need. It's sit and take. And Jesus says, no, you have all that you need. My power, my authority, the presence of the Holy Spirit, word of God entrusted to you. Now go. And Jesus calls it, or we call it through our translation, a great commissioning, because when you commission something, you send it out with purpose. There is now reason, there's now direction, there's now a journey of where we should be going. And so when you turn the pages of Acts and you get into Acts chapter 1, literally you see Jesus say, now I am sending my spirit and you will be my witnesses throughout all the earth. And they're connecting that this go and make is now an empowerment, it's a movement, it's a now ripple effect of God's grace in us and through us. And we now sit here with an opportunity to learn God's word, to grow in our faith with Christ, to understand who Jesus is, because someone else took the call of God to reach and go and make seriously. So friends, can I just tell you that the generations to come are counting on us. God's counting on us to live out our faith because to ignore the great commission is to commit our lives to the great omission. That we would skip out on some of the most necessary portions of our life to become like Jesus. Our commissioning before God is a foreshadowing of God's kingdom, meaning it is now introducing to the entire world that this is the way God intended life to be. And he says, now as you are going, this isn't a just, hey, head here, then head there. It's everywhere you go, go and make. So this gives great freedom and adventure to us, but it also gives intentionality to us. We can no longer afford to stand at a gas pump and watch somebody across from us cry and go, I wonder what they're going through. We can no longer uh, be the kind of coworker that hears of someone else's struggle or hardship and just go, well, I hope they make it. We begin to recognize that God has placed us where we are And as we go, there is a grand responsibility to make disciples, to reach people far from God, introduce them into a relationship with Jesus, and help grow them into the full maturity that God has created for them. They would surrender their lives through baptism, that we would literally immerse them in the way of Jesus so that they might truly surrender, not only to the saving grace of God, but also his lordship in our life. And we would begin to teach, meaning we would have enough understanding and growth in our own walk with God that we can transfer it by helping others understand where we are in this process as well. Living as sent means this, though. That we are present and we are available. We are the kind of people that can stop and pause and recognize that we're not just here, but we're actually engaged. We're ready to be used by God. Being sent means that ultimately we are humble and hungry. 
Meaning we would humble ourselves to think more highly of others, to serve people as they are, to meet them as they are, but hungry for God to work in our lives, desiring for us to share the love of God with others. Our commissioning with Jesus sends us into the world to reach, to mature others, to equip others so that the mission of Jesus can continue on and on and on. We are commissioned, sent. We are commissioned with. Here's the second word, with. With is to be with someone, to walk with someone, to be in stride with their life, to actually be in the rhythm of what's going on in life. It's not a guilty by association, but it's an intentionality so that uh, they're the kind of person that maybe you text or reach out to or say, hey, we just need to get coffee sometime. Hey, I I remember you bringing this up a couple of weeks ago. Hey, what's going on with that? It's being cognizant of the very circumstances and situations of what's happening in someone else's life. The early church got this. Right after Jesus commissions his disciples, there is some activity that happens within the early church. Obviously, the Holy Spirit empowers believers, and there begins to be some incredible work. But that incredible, miraculous work can be summarized in one word. Obedience. They lived the reality of Jesus in their life. This is what it says in Acts chapter 2 as it describes early communities of faith. Here's what it says. They devoted themselves, meaning they were committed to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread, meaning they had meals in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, meaning people who do know Jesus and people who don't know Jesus. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When the commissioning of God got taken seriously and people began to walk in proximity to one another, they were described as a community that miraculous wonders and works played out. And what were those miracles and wonders that are expressed in here? That people would sell their stuff to help those who were hurting. That their relationships were strong enough that they had everything in common. No, that does not mean that in the early days of the church, Everybody was either a Cubs fan or everybody was a Cardinal fan. It means that in the purpose of their lives, they were all unified on this is what God wants from us. This is what God expects from us. And we will live as these people to this world. So when they got together, there was an affection towards one another. When they sat down and had a meal, there was a smile without ever telling a joke. 
There was this longing that they could come together and they knew that what makes us different is that our relationship with God being forgiven and restored now empowers us to live differently in the world that we're a part of. We would give up ourselves. We would sacrifice ourselves. Why? Because that's the way of Jesus. We would be the kind of people who would roll up our sleeves. We would ruin our schedule. We would deviate from the plan because we knew that when God was working in us and a relationship, that there were eternal opportunities playing out in front of us. And so the early church begins to have this synergistic effect. But it didn't just happen in the building or in their households. It happened in the marketplace. It happened in what they call the temple courts. As they were going at home or work or play, they were being the church, being the power and presence of God to the people that were around them. They were with. They were with. For us, I think it's, it's mind-blowing to think about how we might be able to be uh, with others. The truth of the matter is, we can be with people digitally, online, whether through social media or whether it's through online church or Zoom calls. We, we now function in totally different realms than what we ever did before. It used to be it could only be face-to-face. -face. Now, we have so many platforms and opportunities, and it can be taxing. It, it is taxing. But the question becomes in those opportunities, what's your source of strength? What's your purpose for those relationships? Is your goal to sit and take or to go and make? Oftentimes we find ourselves exhausted because they cannot fully satisfy us. Only our relationship with Christ can. And it's through the empowerment of his spirit that we are strengthened, sustained, but we are grown and stretched as we walk with God towards others. So maybe the next time your server comes up frazzled at lunch, you pause for a moment and say, hey, it's okay. I'm for you. We've got time. Do what you need to do today. Maybe the, the mindset of being fully present and involved and engaged uh, makes us think about uh, if we're in a frustration or a time of struggle in our own journey, that maybe we stop for a moment and pause in front of our friends or our family. We surrender our lives in a moment of vulnerability maybe even admit our limitation and weakness and lean into a relationship around us, someone who knows Christ to strengthen us. Maybe it's when somebody close to you needs something deeply, you would walk across the aisle and say, I don't know what you need, but I am here. It may be money out of your wallet, it may be time that you don't seem to have much of. Most likely, it's an opportunity to be present, to pray, to share God's strength and remind them that whatever is happening right now, God is for them 
working through them, and God is working in even this moment now. We're commissioned. It's a foretaste or a foretelling of what uh, the kingdom of God is like, but we're with people as a foretaste. This is what the kingdom of God should look like and feel like. Third of all, we're commissioned with mission. When we talk about mission, what we're really describing is a life of show and tell. I, I used to love show and tell. Second grade, we did show and tell until we couldn't stop. I mean, it was just a great experience. Students would get up, they'd bring something in of themselves, and they'd stand up with great pride and, and somewhat nervousness, and they'd kind of hold it out in front of you. And, and, and maybe you knew what it was, or maybe you didn't. We would, uh, we would talk about different things uh, that meant something to us that was maybe a gift to us or something that we had earned or something that we had created. And the story that would play out of that would not only describe what they were holding in front of themselves, but why it is valued the way that it is. And this is a great illustration of what mission is for us. That we could share the gift that God has given us that it is the death of Jesus, the forgiveness of our sins, the life everlasting, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, but also marry that with what it means, why it's so valuable to who we are. And some of us, if we paused right now and we were to describe the difference of who we are today to who we were yesterday, and we inserted the conversation of a valued relationship with Jesus, we would say those are two completely different worlds. And no, you don't have to be the kind of person that was abandoned by your parents at four, raised by wolves until age seven, hooked on a heroin by 11. You don't have to have that story to realize that God transforms your life. The very pride and the arrogance and the selfishness that we are born towards in this world is a freedom that God has given us away from that. It doesn't need graphic adjectives or stories for the world to recognize its values. Paul, in helping each other take next steps towards God, speaks to a group of Christians about what this commissioning with others is about. And he says, this is our mission. This is how we're going to live this out. He says it this way. In Colossians chapter 4, he says this. There's that word again that we heard in Acts. Devote yourselves. The early church was devoted, right? That's what we read in the verse 42. Once again, he says, devote yourselves. This time he says, to prayer. Being watchful and thankful that we would keep our eyes on the horizon recognizing what God is doing in that moment. It's like playing middle linebacker, right? Keep your head on a swivel, but know this is the defense God has called. And pray. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And I should be wise in the way we act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. These are some big words. As disciples, as followers of Jesus, 
We have to confess if we are not on this mission, we are off the mission of God. We have to recognize if God has given us the responsibility to bring the grace, hope, and forgiveness of Christ to a world so that we might mature in the very character and knowledge of Jesus himself, that this has to be a regular occurrence of intentionality and purpose in our lives. And so Paul says, here's what we got to do. We're going to pray. We've got to get this mindset together that we would be open to what God is already doing. Let me, let me help you understand this. The concern that some of you have about living out your faith, you say, well, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm, can we start with this understanding? Reaching people for God is not a lonely sport. God is already there. God is already at work. God has already prepared that moment. All we are doing is joining God in the moment and being available so that God might use us to expand his kingdom. It's not all on you. It's not all on you. But it is your calling to show up. Now let me clarify this real quick as we talk about devoting ourselves to prayer, to look for these open opportunities on how we might extend our faith, we might advance the cause of Christ into our world. Clearly Paul is speaking from one level of this. What we're describing is evangelistic opportunities that are going to grow and mature people into Christ. This is the way of discipleship that we're describing. But Paul is what you would call an evangelist. We mean the big E, meaning Paul is gifted towards evangelism. Uh, you have some Christian friends that are probably like that. Meaning they, they tend to hang out with a lot of friends who are rough and rowdy. People who are far from God. And their faith doesn't stay hidden in their pocket. Everybody knows who they are and what they believe, and they've probably had that conversation with that person, right? For me, that friend is Chris Duncan. Chris Duncan is a pastor. He's a friend of mine, and everywhere we go, he is always praying for somebody or asking what's going on in their life. Everywhere. I've been on conferences with him. I've been on vacation with him. Everywhere he goes, he does this. And so one time, honest to goodness, you can ask my wife this. We were out on a date with him and his wife on the north side of Indianapolis at a steakhouse. Chris says, I just need to go to the bathroom for a moment. Chris leaves. He's already done his little evangelistic spiel. You know, the waitress came up and he just said, hey, what's your name? Here's my name. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, we happen to be pastors. Is there anything we can pray for? You know, and oftentimes we have a, a nice little exchange. and we, we pray for the person. That's really all it is. We, we don't do, you know, anything real drastic or crazy. Just can we pray for you? Chris gets up to go to the bathroom and he's gone for a long time. Now, you and I assume when someone goes to the bathroom, some of you are like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we're talking about this in church, okay? Just read the story of Ehud sometime. It says the king was gone past the point of embarrassment. Look what that means in Hebrew. That's a whole other conversation. Chris is gone for a long time. And so Christy and I are sitting with Annette and our conversation, we're new to our relationship. We didn't know Annette as well. We're kind of just chatting and chatting and all of a sudden we're kind of like, where's Chris? Where's Chris? Chris comes back and so, you know, being who I am. I'm like, hey, you okay? Everything come out all right? You know, I'm, I'm that guy, okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he just says, hey, you're not going to believe what happened. And I'm like, doesn't take much to figure out what happens when you're gone that long, big guy. You know what I'm saying? Okay, some of you are like, okay, move on, move on. Chris says, 
I'm in the bathroom, and for whatever reason, the guy standing next to me strikes up a conversation. And he says, I, I, I kind of talk to him for a moment, and then I go over and I wash my hands, and he comes up next to me, and he keeps the conversation going. And sure enough, he shares enough that I finally say, should I pray for you? And he goes, oh, man, I would love that. And here's my friend, Chris Duncan. Freshly washed hands, walks over by the paper towels, lays his hands on his shoulders, and in the middle of a, of a steakhouse, bathroom, my friend is praying over a stranger. I don't recommend that for many people, okay? That's just a little weird. To him, God shows up anywhere, at any time, for anyone. He's gifted towards that. It's not awkward. It's not uncomfortable. It's not even rare. It's normal in his life. Here's what I need you to know, though. You may not have the big E evangelism. You may not feel gifted. Matter of fact, you may be already saying, Danny, I know where this is going. I'm an introvert. That's not who I am. I, I'm... Even if you aren't gifted towards evangelism, we are all given the responsibility of evangelism. None of us are off the hook. Every one of us, commissioned by God, living with others, are given the chance to surrender our lives by even sharing the mission of God with others. We've been commissioned with mission. And the partnership of God allows us to move into this world and be used by his purpose, for his purpose. Where are you in this process? Our lives are a foretelling and a foretaste of the kingdom of God. And for us, we become not only a picture of God, but we literally become the people of God, the church of God. I think for us, when we talk about this as a church, we talk about it as the before, but because, right? You may not feel like you are gifted towards evangelism, but you are responsible for evangelism with someone. And each of us have a story before Jesus, but Jesus, and because of Jesus. Before Jesus, this is who I was. But Jesus gave his life, died my death, forgave me of my sins, gives me new life everlasting. And I have accepted that free grace of gift, free gift of grace through faith. And because of Jesus, this is now who I'm becoming. Are you prepared to give that kind of answer to everyone or anyone? Here's the question I want us to wrap up. To whom have you been commissioned with mission? Is there someone near you that you need to move towards, to walk with, and to live out through show and tell the goodness of God? I want to pray for just a moment before we move to our time of response. Can we do that? Let's pray.
God, I recognize that in this room, it's not just passion enough to change us. It is only your presence. And so, God, we would ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to infuse our hearts and minds towards a calling to chase your will in this world. God, there are some of us in this room that are gifted towards evangelism. God, I want your spirit to fan that into flame today. I want people who feel called to just speak openly about your name and your will. I I want them to have great boldness and great courage, not just zeal for the truth, but a passion that people would recognize your presence in our world. God, I would ask that you would release those people into our world. This is a dark and broken world, and while you reign, God, may we move to the front of the line to reach those far from you. And God, for those of us that simply feel that we're not gifted, but we recognize the responsibility, God, would you begin to create a spark in us that ignites our eyes and opens our ears so that as we're side by side with those who are longing for hope, longing for love, that we might be able to say, hey, I'm here. I don't know everything. I'm not perfect, but can I just tell you, I'm gonna share something about my life. Before Jesus, this is who I was, but now Jesus has come into my life, and this is what he's changing. And because of Jesus, This is who I know I'm created to be. God, meet us in this moment. Change us, transform us. And may we respond today to the prompting of your spirit and the challenge of your word. It's in your son's name that we pray, amen. Let's move to our time of response. I want to challenge each and every one of us that if you've not downloaded the app to please do the, do so at this point it's important for us to not only take next steps but to be open and responsive to what God's doing in us today maybe there is one person that you should be praying for we call that praying for our one it's a friend, it's a family member, it's a coworker, it's a server at a restaurant. It's, it's somebody that you have regular occurrence with that you know doesn't seem to have a, a walk with God. Maybe they don't know God. Maybe they've stepped away from their pursuit of God, whatever it may be, but they are your one and you are called by God, commissioned by God to continue to walk in proximity with him so that they might see that mission. I would ask that maybe today, not only would you pray, you would say their name on a next step that we might pray with you that God would open a door and that it would be obvious for you to share maybe this next week for baptism you're going I I can talk about my life before Jesus and I can tell you about what Jesus is doing but I've not surrendered my life in baptism I've not publicly said my life God is yours send me, use me, transform me This next week, there are going to be uh, baptisms all throughout the week. And I want you to feel confident that today is your day to make that commitment. What is the next step that God's calling you to? Maybe it's to even begin to give. Maybe you'll give today in the give and respond boxes that are on your exit doors. Or give through the app. 
but our next steps towards Jesus is what God's calling us to right now in this moment. Don't just listen to it. Don't just ponder it. Decide to engage in the work of the Holy Spirit in your life today. Last of all, as a congregation, we want to take communion. Jesus had a moment with his closest disciples before he was crucified that he commemorated a Passover meal and it became the pattern and principle of the early church. When they gathered together in commonality and great chemistry of what God was doing in their lives and in them, Jesus paused and he said this to them. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And in the same way, he took the wine and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink. He said, this is a new covenant. Meaning this is God's commitment in a new way through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus that our sins are forgiven, our lives are restored, and the work that happened from the beginning of time where sin destroyed it all, God is now working in and through us all to restore creation back to what God has already intended. Friends, I'm so glad you're here. In person, online, because no matter where we are, God is sending us with him for the benefit of others to live out his mission. Let's stand and continue to respond.